Welcome back to The Five Things. Kenny Gold here. We're going to pick up where we left off earlier this week in the middle of a live web show from our friends at Social Media Week. Toby Daniels is about to chat with friend of the show, Katy Perry. No, not that Katy Perry, but the VP of Marketing at Public.com, a social stock trading app. They're going to discuss how the stocks react when markets are volatile and how stock trading has changed and where it's going. After that, Toby welcomes Rashi Rosenberger and yours truly back for a Q&A. And now, over to Toby. Um, and our final guest is someone I've actually worked and collaborated with in a variety of capacities since the very early days of social media. And she's also one of my favorite people on Twitter. So please, everyone, join me in welcoming Katie Perry to the show. Katie, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's, it's going, it's going well. Um, it's fantastic and very exciting to be hosting the second uh, episode of the SMW One show. It, it's quite, um, it's quite enjoyable. It's quite a privilege to be able to do this every single week. So, uh, so it's great. So yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Where are you right now? I'm great. Thanks for asking. I am hunkered down on the Upper West Side um, in Manhattan. So fortunate to be comfortable and able to work at home and and just, you know, getting into a routine and um, pushing forward. Well, we uh, we look forward to getting into getting some insights into your routine a little bit later on uh, in our in our conversation. But but for now, let's um, uh, let's put up the final poll just so we can get people to kind of respond to this one. So the question we're going to ask people during this portion of the show is. Are online communities the best source of insight into the causes of stock moves? Um, yeah. So by stock, of course, we mean financial stock. Um, we'll learn a little bit more about why that is relevant, of course, to Katie in just a second. So the question is, are online communities the best source of insight into the causes of stock moves? So Katie, uh, first of all, let's, let's learn a little bit about public in your role there. Sure. Uh, public is a free investing app. Um, available on iOS and Android. And what's cool about what we do is we put a social layer on the stock market. And so um, commission-free trading, you can buy and sell stocks. But when you do so, you can share the reasons why um, you decided to make that decision. And so what that what that turns into is this transparent community of people talking about investing in an open forum and that helps everyone sort of build financial literacy together. So our big mission is accelerating people's prosperity by making the stock market and investing more accessible. And, and whether you are a veteran of trading stocks or whether you're relatively new to the space, um, I imagine there's never been a more important time to have access to smart people um, who can uh, uh, serve as a resource to help you make smart decisions and choices, particularly at this time. I mean, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask was like, you know, Public is a, an, a relatively new company. It is a startup, um, you know, as well as just, you know, serving your users and your community. I'm sure that you've had to face a whole number of fairly unique challenges during this time. How has COVID affected public specifically and, and how has it affected the way that you're doing marketing at the moment? Yeah, we are a startup. We launched in our current state in September and actually just closed a funding round in early March before all this sort of um, accelerated. Uh, and what's really interesting and not that surprising if you sort of follow 
um, the market is that during periods of volatility, you get a heightened interest, especially from people new to investing. Um, if things are moving a lot more, and especially as things go down, some people decide that that's a good time to kind of start their investing journey. And so for us, we've been really fortunate. And I think about this a lot of like just being in a sliver of industries that there's actually a great opportunity that's coming with all this chaos and negativity. And so what we're trying to really do is, is kind of harness that energy we're seeing from people and harness the momentum and to continue to build. Um, but in that same in that same vein, you know, we are a startup and um, marketing right now is just really weird. Um, you know, I think you're always thinking about kind of reading the room with marketing and, you know, say if you sell uh, soap, uh, you, soap's never, you know, soap's never going to be the most important thing in someone's life. And there's always going to be things that are more important that make that look trivial. Um, but what's interesting right now is that everyone is dealing with the same problem and it's so pervasive. And I can't remember any time where you'd walk down a street and hear everyone talking about the same thing and that thing happens to be bad. And for a marketer trying to kind of insert yourself into the conversation, it's really tough because, you know, from my standpoint, I just think about like how to read the room and it's just right now reading the room, it's very obvious that you know, it might not necessarily be the time people want to hear about certain things. And so our solution has been to really read our room and look mm -hmm. to what our members are doing and how they're behaving. And what we've really seen is that this kind of they're they're seeing public as a social social utility and they're finding a lot of value. And, you know, they're spending more time in the app. There, there's been a, a 2x increase in time spent in our app. We've seen 70% more social engagements. We've seen 50% growth month over month. And so we're, re we're seeing that, we're reading that with, with the market volatility, there's a lot of questions and uncertainty. And a lot of people just don't want to be alone with their charts and numbers. They want to be around other smart people and collaborate with them. And so we're really doubling down on those social features that bring people together and connect them and allow them to share ideas. Talk a little bit more about the insight behind public and and this like adding this like social layer to um, to the experience of of trading stock um, because there 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 is you know so much value I think in being able to engage in a conversation at the point at which you're you're making some really important decisions but what what was the early kind of insight that like led to to you guys thinking about the designing of products in this way? Yeah, the early insight is really, you know, the investing world has been democratizing for years, starting with, you know, there first there was a, you didn't need a big chunk of money. There was a lower minimum and then commission fees got very low and now they're zero for most people. And that's all giving more access. Um, and then there's this concept of fractional shares where you can buy a portion of a share for a dollar amount instead of the entire share, which means that if you have $20 and you want to have a, own a piece of Amazon, you can do that now. And those things are all kind of like ticking away at making the stock market more accessible. And we really think the next frontier is the social piece and just providing more transparency for those who want it. I think when you think of finances, it's always this kind of taboo topic. People don't like talking about money all the time, but that you're really seeing a generational shift with that. 
you look at studies and you see trends of millennials sharing their salary information uh, with their coworkers so they have they can understand if they're getting compensated fairly. You see these massive spreadsheets of people who have been laid off and they're 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 openly putting themselves on there because they know it's going to help them. And so there's just there's more transparency about money that um, is really empowering. And so the concept there is that if we can open this up a little bit, have conversations, share ideas, it's just only going to give more access. And these conversations um, are also going to help build financial literacy. And the way we think about that is almost like learning a language. Like you, you can study the grammar and the spelling and the vocabulary, but when you go to the place where people are speaking it, yeah. it's entirely different. And both are important. And so that's kind of the genesis of where this all came about. I, I, it's interesting. That's going to be my next question, really. I mean, I, I've been a user, relatively early user of, of public. Um, and, um, you know, disclaimer, I'm a user. Disclaimer, public is also a partner of SMW1. Um, but but as a user and someone kind of diving in and, and, and having this kind of like new experience of, of training, but like, you know, it, it, with this like social layer, it's just been been really sort of um, fascinating. But but what I also think is interesting and, I inter- and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts is, is that people's motivations are also sort of shifting. It's not just about trading stock as a means to be able to make money. Um, as you say, it's also an opportunity to um, develop your own financial literacy, educate yourself as to what the opportunities are in terms of like how you can um, you know, develop a, um, you know, um, a, a range of different kind of you know, investment opportunities. Um, and so, you know, education seems to be very much kind of like at the core of, um, of the user experience. What are you seeing emerge, both expected and unexpectedly, um, in terms of user behavior in, in the context of, of how like education sort of plays into the product? Something we've been really uh, looking at lately is just the way it's interesting. Like we're we're essentially a social network, right? That's built around the stock market, and so at, at the at the beginning of a social network, it's like those core early adopters sort of set the tone of like what the behavioral norms are. Um, and you think about who was the first person to hashtag something on Twitter and like, how does that start? And what we've seen from like the core group and as we've grown are these behaviors of people, um, using the, using it as a platform to really, um, ask inquisitive questions of others to, to learn. And that's their goal. And it's not, it really hasn't gone to the place of people trying to influence other people or tell them what to do or even necessarily people asking other people, oh, what should I invest in? And so the types of conversations you're getting are, you know, somebody, I saw Kenny invested in Slack earlier, you know, someone might comment that, you know, why did you do that? Why now? What's your thinking? What do you like about this business? And then when he answers those questions, you can understand, um, yes, about that company and its space, but also like the kind of thought process of other investors. And it's really, really interesting to see that kind of spread in the community and become the like the normal behavior. Right. And, and I think the fractional investing piece is interesting also because it, it then plays into, uh, again, another sort of new behavior that seems to be emerging, which is that if you love a company, you typically just get to buy the product, right? So if you love Nike, you get to wear the shoes. But what if you love Nike and you get to own a fractional piece of that company you know, it doesn't matter how big that piece is. It's just exciting to feel like 
you're 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 an investor and it's exciting to feel like you have a little bit of kind of um um you know a bit of a, a stake in 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 that business's success and what happens to it in the future which also then you know means that you pay a bit more attention in the media and you read maybe more news articles about that company and it then just you know becomes this whole new way of being able to um, experience a brand or experience a company. I mean, to what extent is that again baked into kind of like the original sort of thesis, or, or is that something that you're just seeing sort of emerging as a as a new trend? It's definitely baked in. I think one of the cool things about public is um, every person has you know their handle, and so if you go to public.com/kdp, you can see my portfolio. It won't have the dollar amounts. That's obviously masked. But like those are brands that I'm proud to say like I invested in. And that's really kind of the next phase of voting with your wallet. Um, I Peloton has been like a lifeline for me. I know you're a, a Alex Toussaint fan yourself, but I mean, this is a great product. Like, this is not investment advice. This is a personal opinion. But as this like as the social distancing has taken hold, like it is like a core part of my life. And and, you know, I believe in the product. I think the management team's great and it's giving me value. And like if I can put $5, you know, and invest in Peloton every few days, like it just feels good. And um, yeah, it's interesting to kind of see that. I think most people, when they start investing, it's through their 401k. And a lot of people don't even know what's in there necessarily. Um, and so one thing we do is we have themes in the app where you can kind of poke around and, and see which companies fit into different interest areas or kind of value-based groups. So like today's Earth Day, and so we're featuring a uh, green power theme, uh, another one on sustainable businesses, um, companies leading the meatless revolution. And so there's ways to kind of, a lot of people don't even really understand. Um, I'm always surprised when I'm poking around and I'm like, oh, that's a public company. Um, and so just being able to kind of explore around the things you care about and then have that ownership is really cool. I mean, looking at your portfolio right now, Katie, it seems you only have Peloton and Zoom. I mean, you know. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So uh, let's, let's talk Let's talk about um, the startup for a moment. I mean, again, relatively new company, uh, hiring a ton of people, um, you know, while building a product or simultaneously trying to establish a culture. How does one establish a culture in a relatively new company at this moment in time? What, what are the things that, that your leadership are sort of really focusing on at this, at this point? Yeah. So fortunately, we had some remote teams already. And I will say, like, I've worked at a few different companies. This has been the like, I remember my onboarding was the most seamless thing I've ever experienced. And it's because we have something called the public OS, and it lives in Notion, which is a, a collaboration note taking tool. But essentially, that is uh, the single source of truth for the company. And so everything from our core principles to who to ask about expense reports, um, which channels are used for, like when are we using Asana versus an email versus Slack? And um, every team has a, a person who's responsible for their kind of section. And it's kind of like our Bible. And I got to say, when you're like remote and not there to just be like, hey, like, where's this saved? It's it's incredibly helpful. And, you know, a lot of work obviously went into it at the beginning. But like when someone new is starting or when you're remote, it's just it's amazing to have. And um, I've never kind of experienced that at another company. So I think the leadership's done a really good job of kind of setting setting up who we are and how we work in a very clear way. And everyone's very like accountable to that. 
so Katie, I'm going to ask you the question, then we're going to get to the poll, then we're going to bring our other guests back in for a little bit of Q&A. So, um, so let's look at this. this. This could go either way for you, Katie, so it's going to be interesting, some good feedback. The question is, are online communities the best source of insight into the causes of stock moves? So let's look at the response. I suspect I know where this is going. Me too. <laughs> 60% yeah. no, 38% yes. So, so uh, you know, obviously that um, is interesting from your perspective. How would you respond to that? So I'm actually, this is what I expected and I'm glad. I think, I think this kind of gets back to the point of when you think about a community, is the purpose to influence and give direct guidance or is it to kind of inspire and open your mind? And I kind of look at the the example of like a community like Social Media Week. And when you come to a Social Media Week event, or attend a virtual event, you're not looking for one answer to one question. You're not looking to be like, what's my marketing plan? I'm going to go to this event and I'm going to learn. And that's going to be, you're going to go to learn new ideas, uh, hear from people you hadn't heard from. Um, and so that's more similar to what we're doing. So I agree from a, the standpoint of, is a social community the place to go for financial advice? Like, no, but it's a good place to build your literacy and expand your mind and and hear about new companies and new industries so uh, i think that poll makes a lot of sense so i skipped over my other questions so um we've obviously been in quarantine for over a month what good and bad habits have you developed over that time and katie i know that you're an incredibly disciplined person so i expect only good habits yeah uh i think my number one good habit applies to like everybody and it sounds small and trite but I just love how whenever you send an email now or have a conversation, everyone always asks how the other person is doing and is genuine. And I like hope we keep doing that after all of this because it's it's like put this layer of humanity on everything. And I feel like it's great. Um, and so the other thing I think is just kind of the 80-20 rule, like of in in social interactions and things I prioritize, I'm really focused on like that 20%. And I hope that sticks as well. Bad habits. I'm watching way too much cable news. It's like giving me less like nightmares and anxiety. And I wake up with the scaries at like three in the morning. And then I refresh Twitter until I pass out again. Uh, so I need to go back to just watching, you know, Cuomo at 1130 and then just cutting that out. Yeah, I definitely feel you in that regard. Um, very good. All right. So let us um, now bring our other speakers back uh to the show so that we can have a little bit of audience q a so rashi and kenny welcome hey, back to the show. look at everybody look at all of your smiling faces Hi. You, you know um prior to bringing you guys back on i was thinking i don't think that we've ever been in the same room together the four of us and, and the three of you are, are, are some of my most favorite people in the world so when this thing is over, let's definitely uh, remedy that and get a cocktail and uh, enjoy each other's uh, company in, in close proximity and probably wearing face masks. So, um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, well, well, again, thank you all of you for joining. Thank you for sticking around and for jumping into the uh, into the Q and A. So, um, so I'm going to kick off um, with a question, then we're going to jump into the audience Q and A. So, um, this is for everyone. So, so I'll, I'll sort of pull you in individually. But, um, you know, we're, we're all marketers here. Uh, it's very hard to compartmentalize what's happening sort of, you know, outside of, of, of what we're um, doing in terms of the day to day. So so what what advice 
um, at this time would you give to our audience in terms of sort of striking the right balance between all of the competing priorities you have going on right now? And then also like, and that's like partly professionally, how do you strike the right balance between all your competing priorities? But also like, how do you also strike the right balance between the the um, uh, the insufferable number of people out there who are um, somehow finding the time to to do yoga and go on runs and work out every single day? Um, so so let's ask Rashi first. How are you how are you um, how are you prioritizing uh, at this moment in time? <laughs> I hate those people who go on runs every day. I don't even know what that's like. <laughs> Sorry, Katie. Oops. <laughs> See, um, I, so what we are doing, I, I think like we can talk about this from like a, a work as marketers perspective and then like also on a, on a personal perspective. But what I have found is that this is the most perfect time to ruthlessly prioritize. Um, think so deliberately about the work that you're putting out and make sure that you are not creating more clutter, more nonsense, um, just more junk for people to actually experience. And you're creating work um, work that's actually going to add value. Uh, Kenny, I, I told him, I'm so jealous of his reference of Steakums because they have been such an interesting and like refreshing brand um, on Twitter during this time. And, and the, the work that they've put out is is fun and like the right tone and totally on brand. Um, so really, really ruthlessly prioritizing, making sure that you know what's, what's valuable. We've seen, uh, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the YouTube video where it's like the compilation of all the brands and how they talk about coronavirus and it's all the same. All the same. All the same. And so being really thoughtful about staying true to your brand and prioritizing the messaging so that you're not just um, saying we're all in it together, but rather... Um, adding some type of value. I, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Um, and in terms of McDonald's, like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, please go ahead. Um, you know, you, the, McDonald's just put out something yesterday or two days ago where they renamed the Happy Meal. And basically it was all dedicated to the first lo- to the you know front line responders, first responders. And um, it was pretty interesting to see them make it framed within their brand purpose versus sort of like generic mm-hmm. kind of work that was being done. And then also like Walmart having each of their employees sing Lean On Me was also very nice. It had the double meaning with Bill Withers passing away and sort of being culturally relevant, but it also highlighted the workers in an interesting way. So you can see how brands are trying to do that uh, in, in a similar style. Yeah. Um, one you, thing I want to like end with is... Uh, I saw a really great tweet and I'm so sorry that I don't have the attribution, but I will find it. But someone wrote, um, COVID-19 is an, is a, uh, a pandemic. It's not a brief. And so like, yeah. as we think about marketing, like we want to be culturally relevant, but you don't need to put out marketing just for the sake of this cultural time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well I think you got to hit the Venn diagram of it actually making sense for you. In that moment, I think some of these ads, like to your point about the montage, is like whoever's making this sad stock music is like crushing it right now because all of these ads are like the same. And like part of me doesn't want to be a cynic, and I like I appreciate the effort. And there's been some that like touched me, but then after a while, you're like, oh well, like sometimes it highlights things too. Like I thought the Walmart one was nice too, but they have a lot of um, 
obviously criticisms on on how much they pay their workers. And so it's a little weird. I was like, okay, here they are singing, but then there's this, what's the reality? And so I think the the big thing for me is like, you really got to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're going to stick your neck out right now and make a statement, like you better back it up in like your practices. Um, and for companies that are doing, you know, great practices, I think it's great. And they're talking about them and it's a great time to build their brand in that way. And if they can back it up, I think you should go for it. Well, that's, we do work with uh, Discover. And one of the things that Discover values is that they have their workforce is based here in the U.S. and that their customer service is always available uh, in any way that you would need them to be 100% of the time. And one of the things that they were leaning into was the fact that to keep their workers safe and to keep the communities of their workers safe, they had all of their customer service people have the ability to work from home and keep the customer service process going. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to Discover's Instagram feed right now, what we did was rather than it be all about product, it's actually the faces of every one of those people working from home with a little tag saying what home office they're in. And it just is, it's, honest and open. It's transparent. It talks about the fact that they're a company that cares about the people that work for them, that they want to be there for their customers through the darkest times financially. Uh, and it just adds a little bit of humanity to it. And it's simple, right? So I think brands that are able to capture that honesty and that humanity and that simplicity during this time and show how they're being helpful within the frame of their own brand it, are brands that will be successful. Yeah, so I, I have a, a question... Oops, I have a question sorry. from uh, one of our audience members, Emily Parent. Um, this is for all of you because I think that you are all uniquely creative in your respective sort of jobs. Um, but obviously, you know, at this time, um, with so many, as we've just talked about, competing priorities, it's, it's tough to to both be productive and creative. So Emily wants to know any advice uh, for how to keep productive and how to keep creativity up as we continue during this time. Kenny. Yeah, I got some tips. Um, <laughs> uh, so first and foremost, uh, the space that you work in. I think it is really, really important to set up dedicated workspaces where you can let your creativity come to bear. The other thing is try not to be in the same creative space too many days in a row. So much of mentally, your physical space contributes to your creativity in so many different ways. So some things I like to do is every night before I go to bed, I clean up my workspace every single night. And I am not normally like a super, uh, you know, crazy cleaner person. Like I, but I make it a point to light a candle, have a little plant, sweep, wipe everything down, have it look neat. So when I wake up again in the morning, it feels like a fresh start to sort of breathe that creativity. The other thing I do is, no joke, I uh, ordered some of those Philips Hue light bulbs. And every day I tend to change some of the light color in my room. Wow. So if I'm reading, I try to make it orange because I know that I'll be able to retain information. If I'm trying to be creative, I might make it blue or purple or something fun to get the juices flowing. And then the last thing I'll throw out there um, is try and set aside a time of your day for learning. So listen, 15 minutes to listen to a podcast, 15 minutes to read an article, 15 minutes to watch a show, something that takes you away from having your brain work 
actively to sort of have it listening and learning passively, because that will start to spark some more inspiration for you. Well said. Katie, any thoughts to add? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's less about the physical space and more about the time space. And so one things I struggle with is just kind of you're playing whack-a-mole with all of the operational tasks, but you need to like come up with a big idea or something. And so for me, that means setting aside a block of time that's just for that and making sure that that nothing else is happening in that window. Rashi? Uh, well said. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, Rashi also um, has a little one at home. And um, it's amazing how your kids can kind of squeeze all of the creativity out of you in terms of having either the physical space or the time to be able to think about big ideas. Not sure how you uh, whether you agree with that, Rashi, or not, but uh, it's certainly my situation. Very different with kids, for sure. Um, but I, I, uh, I think I, I definitely agree that setting time, setting specific time to be learning. The world is changing so quickly. Like uh, on a day to day basis, things change, and so being up to date in what's going on in the world, but also like culture. I, I think spending some time on Twitter is really important to just know what people are talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean. To, to to build on what Kenny was talking about, um, the, the 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 physical space you're in is important, but I think that moving around and creating new spaces is is also key. Um, I mean, it, you know, from a personal standpoint, there are very sort of fleeting moments, whether it's whether I can just about manage to carve out some time for a workout, or if I'm able to kind of just like walk around the block. Um, you know, whatever it might be, it's the times when I'm actually not working are the times where I feel like I'm at my most creative because my brain is just being given this like opportunity to not focus on one specific task or multiple tasks. And instead it's allowed to kind of like wander in a few different directions. And that that's often sort of so, so helpful. And just remembering to kind of give yourself those opportunities regardless of what they are. Um, you know, you don't have to be sort of, you know, executing your peak workout but but you could just literally just go for a walk around the block and sometimes these things certainly help um well thank you for your question emily much appreciated we're going to go to another question from the audience um so let's have a look here so um so <laughs> it's an interesting one so what what do we think uh well one person actually in the chat called out everybody's positivity and, and i and I, I wanted to kind of reference that because um you know each of you have have really taken the opportunity to talk in positive terms about you know what what's happening um and how we should be best responding which is i think important perhaps for some people refreshing um certainly refreshing for katie who spent most of her time watching you know cable news um, and I actually honestly and very seriously feel that that is um, a, a, an obligation. If you are able to speak in the public domain and participate in these conversations, we have to be talking um, positively and constructively, um, not, not of course, ign ignoring what's happening, but, but thinking about how do we serve, how do we help others, and how do we create a pathway through everything that's happening right now. So speaking to that, um, Erica, who, who is also watching, um, wanted to know, what are some of the silver, lining, silver linings of all of this? What are the new behaviors that we want to see stick after we make it through to the other side? So let's, uh, let's ask Katie. Yeah, like I mentioned, I think this built-in empathy and starting with someone as a human being and not as a conduit for business is nice. And it it probably should have been a thing before, but hope that sticks. 
Um, I also think in terms of just like where we're at, we're a startup and it's just like we were already scrappy, but now it's like this next level of like, let's figure out different ways of doing things. We're kind of going back to the drawing board and it kind of, it's forcing a lot of um, creativity and, and hustle that I think will will lead to to bigger and better things. Here we go again, everyone. Who's ready? He didn't like he didn't like that answer. He was like, I'm out. <laughs> okay. What do you guys think about that question? Yeah, for me, it was uh it's honestly, I think the fact that we can work from anywhere. Gray is a borderless network and we have people all over the world that we connect with on a regular basis. But just being able to do it in a meaningful way, like I took a call from South Africa this morning, I was on a call with Germany the other day. And it's just but then also I have an office in LA, I have an office in Toronto, and my ability to just leverage technology to connect rapidly, and actually be productive is something I think will carry over. um, Once we're back in a physical space. Um, I'll just add in, I think it's our role for those of us that are lucky enough to be able to work from home and keep their jobs. Um, it's it's lucky enough that we're we're able to do that, and we're we're the, the few that are able to do that. And it's also our job to make sure that we're supporting those people who aren't able to do that. So supporting local businesses, small businesses, thinking about restaurants, um, thinking about all of the people that are affected by the travel industry, um, and so. There are for sure silver linings. And I think one of those is like Katie and Kenny, both of you guys mentioned empathy. That's going to be critical. And I think it's something we need to remember as we start to come out of this, that there are people who are not as lucky as us. And how can we start to support all of those different organizations um, that aren't able to do that? So I, I think this idea, like we talked about ending ending a spot with we're all in it together it's unfortunately cliche but it's also very real and it's our responsibility to to kind of help with that i want to go back to to what um katie was saying about how it's changed the conversation very early on in in sort of the 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 early on in the pandemic or even before it became a pandemic um one of my observations was that you know we're getting on lots and lots of conference calls as as is always the case and you know, we used to start every single conference call uh, at ad nauseum with the question like, you know, how's the weather where you are? What's the weather in New York? What's the weather in San Francisco? And that's how conversations start. And the reason they start that way is not because anyone cares. It's not because people actually want to know what the weather's like. It's because they don't know what else to ask. They don't actually know how to start a conversation with either someone that they know or someone that they're perhaps meeting for the first time. And so we can cut through uh, so much more quickly now to a conversation that is about humanity and about empathy because what we're asking is like are you safe are you healthy are you well how are you doing like what's going on in your world as we're all experiencing this kind of like craziness mm-hmm. um and so every single conversation now of course starts with covid and i'll be honest and i'm looking forward to a time where every conversation doesn't start with that specifically but as much as katie says i i do hope that we get to kind of like hang on to some of these new techniques these new ways in which we can kind of like you know start conversations and cut through and 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 just have a more empathetic conversation i think it's fascinating these things are cyclical right so you have to imagine that post-world war ii as the country was coming out of something that was all-encompassing like uh like what we're dealing with right now that there was probably some sort of post feeling where everyone was asking 
How are you like checking in? How are you doing? How are you recovering? All these different things. And it takes generations for these things to dissipate. So it'll be interesting not only to see if it continues, but for how long it continues and what's the tale of something like this. It's something we've never experienced in our lifetime. So it's pretty fascinating. Definitely. Um, I I don't know whether you guys all read the gaslighting kind of article in terms of um, you know what we should be expecting from brands and from corporations over the course of the next few months and perhaps even years in terms of messaging and even the peddling of products and services that are ultimately designed to kind of like help us get back to normal, get to that kind of safe, comfortable space where we're all like happy, you know, purchasing things and acquiring consumer goods and 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 enjoying all the various different services they provide. But of course, you know, what's important about what's happening right now, which we have to think about as marketers, but we also have to think about as consumers too, is that this isn't really about going back to something. It's about what is the future we want to kind of create, um, you know, coming off the back of this. And specifically specifically within that, what is the actual role of brands? What, what should brands be doing at this time and in the future um, that is going to avoid a situation where they gaslight the public and hopefully um, result in an opportunity um, where they not just fulfill their, their sort of sort of um, responsibilities today, but they also continue to do so in the future. Any thoughts on that, Rashi? Um, I am obsessed with this article. It's super interesting. And I think that the, the concept is, is fascinating. Like uh, talk about silver linings, really thinking about how we are like, and you can, you can kind of see it uh, as we were thinking about like, what are the marketing things that we're going to do as brands? this is going to be a weird time because we're probably not going to all of a sudden open the floodgates and get back to normal. It's going to be a slow creep out. And I think it's really important to preserve those behaviors that you're actually really appreciating. Like maybe spending a little bit time, a little bit more time with your family, a little bit more time with um, spending time with yourself, thinking about things, not necessarily just going from one place to the other and and, and being frantic about it. So um, I think it's, it's also our responsibility as brands. So at Google, we talk a lot about uh, taking action and not necessarily saying something in our marketing unless we're doing something that's helping. So um, we we talk about it on a day to day basis, and and I think that like we all have the responsibility to to make sure that we're we're not just saying like things are back to normal and we're opening up the floodgates. What about you, Kenny? Any thoughts to add on that? You know, everyone talks about gaslighting, and then I have to go and like look up what it means, and <laughs> remind myself so I don't talk about it incorrectly. But even though I watch The Bachelor, like I get. <laughs> oh, Rashi, why don't you why don't you give Kenny a quick sort of summary of the piece? Um. Yeah. Okay. I'll 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 do my best, but please jump in. So essentially, the idea is that um, brands are going to be opening the country back up, um, and we're gonna act like brands are essentially gonna act as if this COVID-19 lockdown never really happened. So it's like, get up, get out into the world. Now it's time to like resume business and start buying, uh, like going to retail businesses and and doing all this. And like the author essentially was like, let's take a step back. Um, I linked the article in the chat so you guys can all all take a look at it. Um, uh, But it was Julio Gambuto. And he essentially says like, let's take a step back and let's actually think about what our the things that we need to appreciate 
here? And what are the things that we can preserve as part of culture going forward? Toby, anything to add there? Uh, beautifully said. Yeah, I, I think that that brands who are able to, like you said earlier, Rashi, COVID's not a brief, is a pandemic, it's not a brief. And I think on, on the flip side of that, it happened. So, you know, understanding a post-COVID marketing world is something we can all try and anticipate right now. And brands having the ability, you know, brands sort of like reopening the country and, and almost pretending like it didn't happen. I wonder if that is just wishful thinking and, uh, and sort of understanding the fact that the, that we have no clue what this is going to look like on the other side. We have absolutely no idea. Like, uh, you know, I keep thinking a lot about the concert and movie business, like the entertainment business. And Katie can tell you, because she follows me on public, that I just invested a bunch in IMAX. And I think that as we start to think about like people wanting to get back to the movie theater, we're it, a real, like that, IMAX is a brand that might be successful because their theaters are bigger. And people are going to want to go see movies, but are going to be adhering to social distancing. And there's no way that, you know, AMC or Fandango can just brush under the rug that there needs to be social distancing. So, you know, they might, they might try to, to gaslight now that I've learned what it meant, but uh, they might, they, they might really have no ability to do so because this thing is a reality that is firmly entrenched into the psyche of every person in the world right now. Katie, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, just kind of earlier point, like it's going to be very transparent if you're a business that is not like living your truth. And so brands won't be able to hide behind these montages if, you know, the the whole of their business isn't kind of living up to that standard. So I think it could be a good thing because if you do want to be out there marketing and having that message, you're almost shamed um, or incentivized to, to kind of take a whole look at how you're running your company. And uh, But yeah, I'm with Kenny. Like no one knows kind of what the other side looks like. I definitely want to read that article now, though. Thanks for sharing, Rashi. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. In fact, it's the second time it's come up now uh, on this show. Um, and I think it's, it's important to share and get that out to as many people as possible because it really represents, I think, the most critical guidance that like our industry needs to adhere to during this time. Um, so I, I have a, a question for you guys, and then we'll take one more question from the audience. Um, and again, it sort of speaks to how you're individually adjusting to this moment. Like, what technologies? And you can't say like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Um, but what technologies are you have you embraced or are you now using at a personal level um, that, that perhaps you either weren't using before or, or certainly not as much as you are now? So what apps or tech services are you using today? Um, Katie, let's start with you. Okay. I think one, I'm kind of throwing it back. I, phone calls. I'm a phone call maniac now. I've even started doing voice to text, which has mixed um, results, but just it's just easier. And it's it's if you're not used to it, it's kind of weird at first. But I actually I left a voicemail yesterday. Like I <laughs> left and heard it. It's been like 10 years. I left somebody a voicemail. Um, and aside from that, I've been spending a lot of time on Pinterest. Because it's like my 
it's like what I wish I was living, but I'm not, but I'm getting ready for someday. Uh, so I've been definitely uptick on Pinterest. Is this going to be like a weird plug yeah. round here? Like oh. You're plugging Rashi's former group and I'll be coming in and say public and then you'll go back down and say social media week and it'll <laughs> just be like, it'll just be a whole cycle. We always have an alliance. I just love Pinterest. I could literally go, I could have an entire thing on Pinterest. So I'll I'll throw a couple of that things out there. First and foremost, I'm not just saying this because Katie's on the line. Um, in the absence of live sports and the ability to do sports betting or any kind of like going to a casino or poker with my friends or anything, I am on public all the time. I am like I am trying to go out there and find diamonds in the rough to have a little fun. So um, it's helping sort of do that, but but. Honestly, um, I got back into the old computer game, Civilization. Um, it felt like a, a time to sort of, you know, decompress and do it that way. And it's old school and it's kind of taking on some of the lessons of COVID. Uh, and then I live on teams. I really do. It's how I talk to my own team. It's how I talk to my leadership. And we're on it all the time. And it's pretty spectacular. So those are the three. Right. Uh, Rashi, the, the the test here will be: Can you talk about any technology product that's not Google? But it's uh, going to be really hard. Okay, well, <laughs> let me just get through my like my personal plugs of like Pinterest. Yes, love it. Use it all the time, of course. Um, Google Photos, I continue to use more and more in Google Memories. Uh, okay, those are my my personal plugs. Um, outside of that, like I feel like I'm on the screen all the time because we do um, hangouts for work and we do hangouts for social and. It's just like nonstop. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm watching the news. So for me, um, I was always a big podcasting fan before, but like, it's so important to think about, to get get content from a podcast perspective. And then also audiobooks have been great. Um, I'll, I'll throw mine in there. Not that, <clears throat> not that anyone necessarily cares, but um, we so care. um Prior to having children four years ago, I used to be a pretty regular like meditator using Calm, which was like, you know, my app of choice. Very difficult to carve out the time to continue to meditate. I used to sort of get up in the mornings and now I get up in the mornings and it's just like a zoo. Um, it's like the opposite of meditation. And um, so during this particular period, I've actually been getting up at like 5 a.m. Um, in part because I just need to start my day much earlier to be productive, but also I just carve out a little bit of time um, to, to meditate in the mornings. But on Calm, and they've, they've, they've just added so much incredible content over the course of the last like, you know, couple of years, but more recently. And one of the things that I love is they have these things called sleep stories. Um, and there's a Matthew McConaughey sleep story um, and if you love him as much as I do, and the idea that you have him in your head uh, telling you a story just before you fall asleep at night, it's amazing. You should totally check it out. He actually talks about the kind of the cosmos and, and explains like how like, you know, our universe works. And it's very cool. And he speaks very slowly and he's like, you know, Southern drawl and it's, it's wonderful. But also recently, LeBron James just like dropped some content on Calm. So you can Ooh, yeah. now check out, it's sort of like a hybrid meditation kind of self-improvement kind of program. I'm not quite sure, but LeBron James, James is like in your ear telling you about all the ways in which like, you know, you can be a, a superstar basketball player, which, uh, you know, you never know, it might not be too late. So that, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my experience at the moment. 
So um, we're going to have to wrap up, guys. Um, we've, we've come to the end of our show, uh, very sadly. But um, I just want to take this opportunity, first of all, just to thank our audience for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for you know, all, all of your uh, contributions in the chat and the Q&A. We really appreciate you being here. Um, and also, of course, thank you to our incredible guests, Rashi, Kenny, Katie. Thanks for taking the time. Um, just the information inside that you've shared today is hugely valuable. And I'm sure it's hugely appreciated by our audience. Um, as a reminder, the SMW One Show records uh, live or broadcast live, I should say, every single Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Um, and following today's show, we will be um, sharing a link to the recording. Um, so we'll send that to you via email. And then on next week's show, we are very excited to welcome Shauna Sweeney who is the global head of industry marketing at Facebook, and Dan Gardner, who is the co-founder and CEO of Code and Theory. They will be joining us on the show. So see you all next week. Thank you again to our audience. Thank you again for our guests. Amazing. That's it for today. It was so great hanging out virtually with Toby, Rashi, and Katie. We'll be back in your feed next week with more from the SMW One Show. Thanks for listening to The Five Things. The Five Things Podcast is produced by Andrew Petit, Grace McDougall, Joey Scarillo, John Dillon, and Al Manorino, and recorded at Townhouse Studios. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Social Media Week is a leading conference and industry news platform that curates and shares insights, emerging trends, and best practices with the world's smartest digital marketers. Gray is the exclusive global creative insights partner for Social Media Week. Check out more at gray.com.